The book of John, chapter 16. I was going to, as you know, start, if you were here last week, I was going to start a new book for the new millennium. I wanted to start preaching from 1 Corinthians. And the Lord just sort of said, um, <clears throat> hold that one for a little bit. Uh, I want you to talk on um, uh, something else. And this something else has become kind of rather big in my heart. I feel like this is, this is a, uh, a message that is really for us. Uh, it's just feeling big to me. Um, let me read the passage. First, or John chapter 16, Jesus says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Jesus is saying, right now you can't handle all the truth, but when the Spirit of God comes, He'll lead you into all truth. Pray with me here. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that Your Word would come alive. Anoint it, Lord God, with Your fire, with Your power, with Your conviction. God, we are, confess out loud that uh, human efforts uh, cannot produce kingdom fruit, not human efforts in and of themselves. So, Lord, we ask that you take this human effort, even as you did with the worship, Lord, take the message and land on it, God, infuse it with your power, infuse it with your spirit to write it into our hearts and write it into our ears and write it into our minds and change us, Lord God. We don't want to leave here being the same people we were when we came here, Lord God. Would you, Lord God, use this message by the power of your spirit to chip away at the calluses in our heart, Lord God, the strongholds in our mind, Lord God. Tear them down in Jesus' name to, uh, Lord God, further our walk with you, to be further conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. All that is your work, Holy Spirit, so we surrender it to you. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help me with my voice. God, as I'm struggling with this flu bug, in Jesus' name, we come against it. Hallelujah. And ask, God, that you'd strengthen me to deliver the message that you put on my heart. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're talking about... Um, how do you keep the walk, your walk with God fresh? Not, not only do, how do you maintain its freshness, but how do you grow in its freshness? How do you grow in passion? How do you grow in the Christian life? How do you keep from getting stagnant? That's, that, that's the issue. And it just feel, feels like we're supposed to talk about this. Maybe it's because a lot of us are getting stagnant. I don't know. I don't know if you read this book. It's a great book. I couldn't find my copy of it. Uh, but it's called The Sacred Romance. It's written by two authors. Uh, I, I recommend you getting it. Go to Northwestern and look for the sacred romance. I don't remember the authors, and I wanted to get a quote, and I couldn't find my copy of it. I probably lent it out, like I do with half my books, and I don't get them back. Uh, but be that as it may, it's a good investment in the kingdom. This book is really good in terms of, of doing this. It, it, it uh, appeals to and kind of elicits this thing in the core of our being, which they say is a passion uh, that every human being has. There is deep inside of us. Maybe it's way deep, way submerged. Maybe you haven't paid any attention to it for 13 years, maybe 33 years. But inside of you, there is a mechanism, as it were, a hunger that wants life to be passionate. You have a, there's a hunger for a romance, a wild and crazy romance in the core of your being. And we often think that that mechanism towards this wild and crazy romance is towards another human being. That's why people have affairs. What these authors show is that you're just misdirecting what is a legitimate drive in your heart, but you're misdirecting and thinking that another human being is going to fulfill it. Because what that drive is really about is a drive towards God, a drive towards your Creator. We are made to have a Song of Solomon kind of passionate relationship with our Creator. 
Life is supposed to be wild. It's supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be passionate. It's supposed to be full. And the only way it can be that is if we have a wild, passionate, crazy, full relationship with our Creator. Amen? And there's nothing that drives us towards that. These authors, in a beautiful, insightful way, appeal to different experiences in life when you, when, when you felt that, when, when, when it was calling you. Maybe it was, as a kid, you remember taking a walk in the woods when there was this voice that was calling you. Maybe it was with a, a memorable experience you had with your parents, or maybe it was just sitting in your room, but something was calling you to live life like this, because that's how we're made to live life. But here's what happens. As you grow up, you experience disappointments, you experience pain, you experience rejection, your dreams sometimes are squelched. And every time that happens, there's a part of us that wants to protect ourselves, and one of the ways we protect ourselves is by killing that voice on the inside. It's too painful to listen to that thing. Well, for some of us, it's not so much the rejection or pain of life, but just the routine of life. The day after day after day grind that constitutes, let's be honest here, constitutes the majority of our life. It's the same old stuff. And that routine can lull us into a kind of a sleep. It sort of anesthetizes us. It's like watching the white lines as you're driving on the highway. You know, they kind of put you in a hypnotic spell. And we end up going through life sort of hypnotically. You know, you get up in the morning, you go to work, you come home from work, you watch TV, you go to bed. And you just sort of, you know, just go through the whole thing methodically, routinely, robopathically. And there's no life, there's no passion, there's no dynamism. And the voice inside of you is saying, what about me? But we train ourselves to ignore that. What we've got to know is this, God, we sometimes give up on growing and having that passionate relationship with God. We sometimes settle for that nice status quo, mediocre, middle-of-the-road kind of lifestyle, but God never does. Amen? God's always calling us towards that Song of Solomon kind of relationship with Him. Constantly moving in our life, wanting us to grow, wanting us to change, wanting us to incline our hearts towards Him. He doesn't want ordinary status quo believers. He wants a bride who is as passionate about Him as He is about her. Amen? And He is passionate about her. Oh, is He passionate about her. And so He's saying to His bride, look at me, come on, deeper, deeper, deeper. Don't stop, don't get routine, don't get mediocre. Sell out towards me. What we need to understand is this. Growing in the Christian life is the norm. Um, You've got to be growing. You've got to be changing. Always. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. The, 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 the norm is for you to be growing. You know, physically speaking, you grow for the first 17, 18, 19 years of your life, and then you stop, and then you sort of just go on. You know, you, you, maybe you grow in other ways, but, but you stop getting taller is what I mean. Um, Okay, you know what I'm talking about. But, but you stop growing taller physically. But see, and in a spiritual realm, we're always to be growing. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years, uh, you, you've got more room to grow. God is calling you to a deeper level of passion with Him. I, I, he's convicting you about different things. He's calling you to mature in different ways. Throughout our whole life, we're to be growing. It is as unnatural for a Christian not to grow as it is for an adolescent not to grow. If your 10-year-old stops growing, uh, you take him to the doctor because something ain't working right. They're supposed to be growing. So also, Christians, hear me now. You're supposed to be growing. That's the normal thing. There is no coasting, as we talked about last week. We're supposed to be making advances, knowing God better, uh, experiencing Him, experiencing His Word more profoundly. It's supposed to be an ongoing adventure, adventure, a wild and crazy romance. But we, if we're not careful, we don't work on it. We settle for a mediocre religion. A boring religion, which is the same thing over and over and over again. God's calling us to this relationship. 
Praise God. We talked last week about several things that can keep us from falling into this rut. And that's what this is all about. How do you keep the Christian life from getting into a rut? I feel like God's landing on it. We talked about the need for persistence last week. We talked about the need to not be focused on results. Secondly, this, uh, we live in a remote control culture where we just want to push a button and get a result. We want to push a button and be there. But it doesn't work like that in the spiritual realm. It takes discipline and it takes persistence to keep on growing with, with God. It takes more passion and more commitment 50 years into it than it did 50 minutes into it. Like running a marathon. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So we talked about persistence. We talked about uh, not, not being ruled by results. And we talked about always setting our, our scope higher. Knowing that the goal for this week is to, is to be closer to the Lord than we were last week. And the goal next week is to be closer to the Lord than we are this week. To have it constantly growing. Never coasting. In a fallen world, if you think you're coasting, you're actually coasting downward. Amen? That's the pull of sin. We've got it. There's only two directions you can go. Forward or backward. What is it? There's no stagnation in the Christian life. If you think you're just maintaining, you're actually losing ground. Now, what I feel led to do is to flesh this out a little bit more. Talk about some basic principles about how to keep your life rejuvenated, how to keep on growing in the Christian life. And the principle I want to hit on here this morning comes right out of John chapter 16. And it's very simple, but I think it's often missed. It's simply this. We have to be willing to let God uh, redefine us anew each day. We have to be willing to let God introduce new things into our life. We have to be willing to let God define us in terms of what we can be rather than us defining ourselves in terms of what we have been. We have to be willing to let God do new things in our life. Jesus in John 16 is talking to his disciples. This is the Last Supper. This is, he's just getting ready to go. Um, he's been with them for three years. And after being with them for three years, after teaching them for three years, after all the instruction that he's given them for three years, after all the examples that he's given them for three years, he says this to them, I have a whole lot more that I want to tell you. A whole lot more to teach you. But you can't bear it. You can't handle it. Truth! You can't handle the truth. Oh, I gave you what I could give you, you know, in terms of where you're at. But i got a whole lot more that I want to give you, but you can't take it right now. You're not mature enough just yet. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is going to come, and He's going to complete the work that I've begun here. You learn how to follow me right now, but there's more things, more truth, more change that has to happen in your life, but you're not ready to handle it just yet, so I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a sense in which being a Christian is a one-time, it's a once-and-for-all thing. It's a decision that you make. You turn towards God. It's called repenting. Here's the old Greg Boyd doing the old Greg Boyd things, and I've got to make a fundamental decision in my life about who I'm going to follow. Am I going to follow Satan or am I going to follow Jesus? That's a one-time decision. Bam! I'll follow you, Lord. But what we learn from verses like this is, is, is this. That you make a commitment to follow the Lord and a, and a monumental change in your life. That, that's the point of salvation. But the process of learning how to follow God is a process. It occurs over time. It doesn't occur all at once. God doesn't tell us all at once the things uh, that He wants changed in our life because we couldn't handle it. Just couldn't handle it. He didn't do that with the disciples. You know, it comes with the Peter. Peter, here's the 4,018 things that are wrong about you and I want you to change them and then tomorrow start following me. It doesn't work like that. Peter would be overwhelmed. Rather, the Lord, piece by piece, tells them things. Look at it. Read the Gospels. He confronts their pride. He confronts their arrogance. He confronts their bad theology. You know, he confronts it one step at a time. And after three years, he's already begun. He says, I still got a lot of stuff to, to, to tell you. That's how it is in our life. God gradually reveals stuff to us, which means that what was okay for us three days ago may not be okay now. But you'll never know that unless you're listening to God. 
listen, listen, he unveils it gradually. It's kind of like this. When I was in grad school, uh, I was a counselor at a halfway house for emotionally disturbed kids. Uh, it was a very interesting job. Um, these kids were really disturbed. Um, there was one night where I was working on staff and another person who was kind of a seasoned veteran was working on staff, but there was another person, this was their first night on the job, and she was working on staff. Um, in the middle of, uh, in the course of the evening, around 6, 7 o'clock after supper, a fight broke out between this new counselor and one of our kids. The fight was because, I'll call her name Carol, Carol had come in, one of our kids had come in from outdoors and she smelled like smoke, cigarette smoke. And there was a rule that we had that you weren't allowed to smoke on the grounds. Uh, so this new worker starts confronting Carol about smoking. You know, there's no rule, you're not supposed to smoke on the grounds. Well then Carol, knowing Carol, uh, she starts to swear back at the worker. Uh, and this gal could cuss up a storm. So she starts swearing at the worker. Well, that's another infraction. There's a rule that says you're not allowed to use foul language in this house. So bam, this new counselor is really railing at Carol. Well, I and the other veteran counselor come over and, and to this new worker's surprise, we don't take Carol aside and chew her out. We take the worker aside into a different room. And we say something like this. You clearly have not been debriefed very well about the kind of kids that we're dealing with here. Let me tell you a little bit about Carol. Carol's mother was in the adult movie industry and at about the age of five, began to, when she was five years old, began to take her to uh, sex parties uh, where she would be sexually molested by numbers of men, her and her mother together. And this went on for seven years. Carol is a very screwed up young lady. She's a nymphomaniac. She sneaks out of the house regularly with groups of guys to have a sexual experience. Um, she is a kleptomaniac. She's a compulsive stealer. She is a compulsive liar. She's a sociopath. She has no idea of, uh, that other people have feelings. Twice she has tried to commit murder. Three times she has attempted uh, suicide. One of them very recently, it was almost successful. Smoking really isn't at the top of this girl's problems list. You see? Plus she's throwing out on cocaine. We're going to let the smoking thing slide a little bit. In fact, we're going to let the smoking and the language thing slide a little bit. Uh, because you can't shoot at everything that moves. That was one of our slogans. You can't shoot at everything that moves. You've got to choose your battles carefully. Some of you parents of uh, teenagers know what I'm talking about. You've got to choose your battles. If you, if you started getting on everything you could possibly get on, you'd be doing nothing but getting on. You know, it'd be one big warfare. Your whole relationship would be a warfare. Sometimes it feels like that even though you're trying to choose your battles carefully. It's difficult. You can't shoot at everything that moves. You can't attack everything all at once. You have to have a sense of prioritization. What's really important today to deal with? And so we told this worker, you know, maybe next year or in 10 years or in 100 years, we'll start talking about how smoking is bad for you. But right now, there's other, other things that are on the front burner. We're going to let that one slide. That's how it is with the Lord and us. The Lord comes to us and He's gracious and He's smart. And He knows what we can handle at the time, right now, at this point in history. And He deals with that particular thing. And then when we're okay with that, He deals with the next thing. And then when we're okay with that, He deals with the next thing. If God dealt with, if God gave it all at once, we couldn't bear it. After three years, they still couldn't bear it. If God would have come to me the day that I decided to become a Christian and told me all the things that He was going to change about me, thereby telling me all the things that were wrong with me, Huh. I would have responded, I would have said something like, Lord, why don't you just tell it like it is. Say, Greg, you are a la who is the her. You're a loser. You, you, man, you got four things wrong with you. 4,574 things are wrong with you. Uh, I would have given up. I would have despaired. You know, if I would have known how changed I'd be 27 years into this thing. I've been a Christian for 27 years. Can you believe that? I'm so old. Um, 
if I would have known back then how I was going to change, I, I, don't, I, I, I would have just, no way. No way. God deals with one thing at a time. Greg, first let's deal with this drug thing that you got going on. Okay, now, after that, let's, let's deal with this, your ideas about sex. We've got to work on that a little bit here. Okay, Greg, now we're going to deal with some of your attitudes uh, towards authority. Okay, we've got some healing. Uh, Greg, we've got to deal with some unforgiveness in your life here. Okay, this is three years into it now. I didn't know I had unforgiveness. The Lord says, saying, you know what? You've got unforgiveness. Then, Greg, let's start uh, talking about you know, your judgmentalism here. Okay, we've got to start talking about grace. And then we'll start dealing with this. And then we'll start dealing with this. And then we'll start dealing with this. And here I am, 27 years doing it. And Chuck, I'm still dealing with this. I'm still, I, you know, maybe you're perfect, but I still got things I got to work on. What's the problem? You have a miracle. A miracle? Yeah, Eric, who's been in a coma. You want to Came out of the coma this morning. He did? To his mom. She's here. Do you want to talk to her? Praise God. Okay, pause in the sermon. Uh, Lori, come on out. Okay, Eric was in a car wreck, uh, what was it, about six weeks ago. And this guy was in a deep coma. The doctors told us that he's not coming out of it. He's permanently brain damaged. Uh, you know, just start thinking about him as in a vegetative state. He's awake. He woke up at day three this morning. He's, he's coming. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Uh. Oh, man. Praise Lord. Uh, oh, that is praise God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, you guys, this is huge. Um, uh, if you see this guy uh, after this car wreck, uh, it, 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 he, was, he was gone. And the doctor said that. I just want to take a moment here and thank God. Uh, you know, what? We, we, we prayed for him. We, we, uh, Lori and others have just been persistently praying for him. And we've just seen little tiny improvements going on. And this morning, praise God, he came to. Uh, Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God. We thank you for your miracle-working power in Jesus' name. Father, there's so much we don't understand about things, but Lord, we take you at your word that you are the great physician and you heal, Lord God. And Lord God, uh, you answered prayer, Lord God. And you've been touching here. When the doctor said that it was impossible for him to recover, that he'd never come to, Lord, you are the great doctor and you proved them wrong and we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name, Lord God. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord God. We give you praise, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. If you knew how, how, uh, uh, the things that, that, as you can imagine, Lori, the mother, going through this, it has just been, uh, in some ways, a nightmare. But you, you stay persistent. And you believe God. Hallelujah. That is huge. Oh, you can just hear in the back. She's crying. I, I gotta, I'm gonna have trouble refocusing here. Praise God. That's another thing where God just kind of takes us one step at a time. How much do you believe Him for? How much do you believe Him for today? You believe Him for that, you know what? He'll prove Himself and then He'll say, yeah, can you believe me for this? And then He'll say, you know, now can you believe me for this? It's a process. It's a growing thing. Praise God. What we need to do is to be open to God doing new things in our life. Because the reality is that we're all in process. Every one of us in this auditorium, we're in process. And what we need to see is that at every step, God never turns into a dictator. He never makes you into a robot. You need to say yes to Him if you're going to grow to the next level. And there's always a next level, and He's always talking to us uh, about uh, that next level. The flesh, the flesh always wants to, out of security and pride, hang on to the past. 
We want to define ourselves in terms of what we have been. We're used to that. There's a security there. And so we want to you know, say the way we have been is the way we must always be. Where God wants to say, no, the way you have been can be improved upon. I'm defining you in terms of what you can be. So we have a decision we have to make here. Are we going to grab onto out of security to believe, uh, to define ourselves in terms of what has been, or are we going to let God change us in terms of what we can be at every step? It's a new process. He wants to give you more faith. He wants to convict you about new things. He wants to change your attitudes towards different things. He's always saying, a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper. We can either write that off as some kind of a little prompting intuition that, that comes out of nowhere. Maybe it has to do with the pastrami that we ate last night or some gastronomical issue that we're dealing with or who knows what we think oh you know that I've never been like that I, I don't want to change so you write it off or you can heed the voice of God and grow maybe for example maybe you've always been a greedy person maybe you've always hoarded money maybe that's really been an issue for you and you've never even noticed it you had other things that God was dealing with and he's never dealt with this particular issue and now all of a sudden he starts to convict you about it and you start to notice that there's other things you could be doing with your resources other than spending them on yourself. And the Lord is saying, you know, why don't you invest here? Why don't you go here? Why don't you give here? Or what have you. You've never thought like that before. Part of you will want to say, you know what, I, I want to stay the way I've always been. This is the way I've always thought about money and there's advantages to thinking about it that way and I'm going to stay that way. But part of you is saying, you know what, no, I want to sell out. I want to follow God. I want to go to the next level. I encourage you in Jesus' name to listen to that voice that is talking to you. And let God change you the way you've been isn't the way you always have to be. Maybe you've been a gossiper. Maybe, maybe that's been one of your issues. You've always you know, been one of these people that just compulsively talks about other people. Usually negatively. Cutting down other people. Maybe it's so thick in you that you don't even realize that you're a gossiper. And when people preach sermons on gossipers, after the sermon you talk to somebody else about how so-and-so is a gossiper. That's how entrenched it is with you. You don't even realize that you've got the issue. Maybe it's so entrenched in you that you don't even know what you talk about if you didn't talk about other people. What is there to talk about? You know, there's only there's John, there's Sue, there's Betty, you know, did you hear the one about Wendy or whatever? What else do people talk about? It, you can't even conceive of you without that gossip. And so you want to hang on. The flesh wants to hang on to what you've been in the past. But God is saying, no, what you have been in the past, now is time to change. You can bear it. I'm dealing with you. I'm convicting you. And He wants to, you to see what you can be if you allow Him to do that. Let go of the past and let Him begin to redefine you. you know, and, and it comes out like this. All of a sudden, it doesn't feel as good as it used to feel. All of a sudden, uh, it just doesn't sound right. All of a sudden, your tastes begin to change. You used to like this, and all of a sudden, something's saying, you know what, I don't think I like that anymore. Uh, I, I used to really get a lot of life out of this, but all of a sudden, I don't get a lot of life out of it. You can dismiss it. You can suppress it. You can push it back. And the flesh wants to do that, because we don't want to change on the flesh level. But in Jesus' name, I encourage you to follow that still small voice that's convicting you about stuff and saying, you know what, no, now is the time to, 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 to grow. Talk to a person after the first service who was saying how they used to do their taxes a certain way and there's a way of cutting corners. And it never bothered them. It never bothered them. You know, for 20-some years they've been a Christian and it's never bothered them. All of a sudden this year, it starts to bother them. Is this really right? You see? And it's time now to listen to that voice. Now, you could do this kind of rationalization. Well, look at it. If it didn't bother me in the past, it shouldn't bother me now. Wrong assumption. Maybe you weren't ready for it then, but you're ready for it now. And God wants to bring you to a new level. I encourage you in Jesus' name to give the Holy Spirit permission to exercise His right of lordship over your life and to keep on growing you, keep on changing you. Sometimes the things God wants to change in us aren't really moral, big black and white issues. Sometimes they're gray areas. Sometimes they're gray areas. Sometimes God just calls on us to change something because He wants to change something. 
He told Abraham he wanted him to be willing to sacrifice his son. That wasn't a moral issue. There's nothing wrong with Isaac. God just wanted to make sure in Abraham's life that he was Lord over his life. In the Bible, you find this whole motif. It's called testing. God tests people to see whether or not they're choosing him first over other things. He still does that to us. He'll come to us and he'll highlight something. He'll talk to us about something that he wants to have changed or something that we're to give up or something we're supposed to start doing that we haven't been doing before. That's not even a moral issue. It's just God wanting more of us and more of us and more of us. Charles Spurgeon was a great preacher in the 19th century, a great Baptist preacher in the 19th century. And, um, well, in fact, one of the greatest preachers of all time. He tells this story uh, in his autobiography uh, where he was, uh, it was an autobiographical essay that he wrote. He's downstairs preparing a sermon smoking his pipe. He loved that pipe. That pipe was always a part of his life. Um, and so he's down there smoking his pipe, preparing a sermon, and all of a sudden he, he feels a kind of a, a small voice saying, do you love me more than the pipe? And like most of us, at first he wants to just think it's his thinking. Oh, it's just me. It's just a weird thought. It's the pastrami I ate last night. Um, but the voice comes back, says, Charles Spurgeon, do you love me more than your pipe? So Charles begins to, being a man of God, sense that this is the Lord talking to him. So he says, of course, Lord, I love you more than my pipe. And then the Lord says, then I want you to give it up. And Charles says to the Lord, but that's silly. This is not an issue. This is just a little pleasure that I have. Why? It doesn't come between me and you. It's nothing. It's insignificant. So the Lord says, then I want you to give it up. <laughs> and Charles Spurgeon found that it was quite difficult. He, he liked that little thing in his life there. But the Lord, not because it was intrinsically evil, but just because the Lord, in his relationship with Charles, now was a time for him to, to make a change. He wanted Charles to exercise his will in giving this up for him. Charles Spurgeon had gone for 40 years preaching a dynamic, anointed message, smoking a pipe. And there was no problems with that. In the 19th century, it never occurred to anybody that that was an issue at all. This was an unusual thing for someone to get a conviction about smoking a pipe. Uh, and, but here's Charles Spurgeon. He's getting that. And so he has to obey God. And he found that there was a new level of anointing that he got from giving this up. Not because it was evil in and of itself, but just because the Lord told him to do it. But if you resist God on these things, now it becomes an issue in your life. It does become something that clogs up your relationship with God. It's that way in a lot of things in our life. I know a couple that, that the Lord just said, on Thursday nights, I want you to turn off TV. And at first they thought it was the pastrami, you know, but every time they'd watch... Uh, 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 TV on Thursday nights, they'd feel some conviction. It didn't feel uh, right to them. So they made a decision to turn off TV on Thursday nights and, and make it a time for reading their Bible and, and praying. Now, Thursday nights was their favorite TV show. I don't know what's on Thursday, but they liked it. Uh, that was their favorite night. But the Lord says, turn it off. Uh, this is my time. Is there anything wrong with watching TV on Thursday nights? No. But if the Lord starts to convict you about it, now there's something wrong with it, you see? Uh, we need to be willing to let God do new things in our life. Convict us uh, on these kind of small things. You know, it's kind of like this. See, our tendency is to think that if it's been okay in the past, it will be okay in the future. And that's what I want to get at. That's not the case. We're growing. We're changing. And things that maybe God let slide uh, a week ago, now He wants to deal with in your life. And you, and you need to be willing to not define yourself by how you have been, but let God define you in terms of what you can be. Surrender that part to God. I got this really strange picture as I was praying about this message uh, to communicate this concept. When I was a kid, I used to like to push things to the limit. Can you believe that? I used to like to see... I, I, it was just a thing that I had. Like, for, uh, one time I was in trouble during Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, therefore my job was to wash the dishes uh, after Thanksgiving dinner. And for some reason, I wanted to see how high I could stack the dishes. Um, and it never occurred to me that they might fall. You know, 
that's an ADD thing. I, I, you know, it's like I, that concept never hit me. So I got higher and higher and higher and higher, and, and then finally, uh, that was that last cup. I thought, oh, I bet I can, I bet I can get one more on there, and they all go woo down. Uh, and my ears grew two inches that day as my stepmother grabbed my ears and it was going like this. I have this memory of her face going like this to me. As we... Well, anyways, I was always trying to push things to the limit. Still am. You know, how close can you get to the edge? One day I wanted to find out how much water you could get in the bathtub. I don't know why. I don't know what I was thinking. It was just an idea. It was a dumb idea, but there it was. So I'm in the bathtub. Mom's not around, so I'm filling up the bathtub. And I want to see how close to the edge can you get before it actually runs over. I mean, what an interesting thing to find out. Now, I have a problem. There's a stupid hole I never noticed in the bathtub. Have you noticed that? That overflow drain. Never noticed that thing before. And the water would just be going fine, getting bigger and bigger. I'm getting excited. Oh, water, here it comes. It's getting higher, higher, higher. And then when it gets right up to here, it stops going, going forward. Because it's that stupid. It's leaking. We've got a hole in, our, our, in our, our bathtub. Fortunately, I'm a clever boy, so I figured out how to clog up the drain. As soon as I clogged up the drain with my little toy soldiers and stuff pouring it down there, boom, the water could advance uh, higher up until it got to the very, very tip. And then I wanted to sink down into my victory. And <laughs> so, <clears throat> Here's the point. You can be going along just fine in your Christian life. You're growing. Things are good. Your Bible reading is good. Your prayer life is good. You know, God's moving in your life and it's just going really, really good. And all of a sudden you hit a stagnation point. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes that stagnation point uh, is because there's a thing in our life that God is saying, I want it. It may be a big thing, it may be a little thing, but God's convicting you about it. He wants to change in your life. If you say yes to that, you'll experience a new depth of dimension and passion and anointing that you've never had before. But if you say no, if you write it off as the bad pastrami that you ate, or you try to define yourself in terms of what you have been rather than what you can be, it becomes a drain in your life. And you keep on thinking, well, I don't know what the problem is because I was growing just fine. I was just going fine without this thing. Why should this make a difference? Well, the difference is this. You're you today and you weren't that three years ago and now God wants to deal with this. So he's saying, now I want you to surrender this over to me. I want you to change in this area. I let it slide up to this point, but now is the time when I want to change in your life. And if you say no, it becomes like a little drain. And maybe like me, you try to turn the water faucet on a little harder in order to keep the growing going, the water going, but you don't take care of that drain. So you listen to more tapes, you listen to more praise music, you do this, that, and the other thing, and you're still stagnant. Why? Because the water is leaking. The water of the flow of the Holy Spirit is leaking in your life because you got this thing. And it can be a very small thing, but God wants it. Charles Spurgeon thought that his pipe was a small thing, and it was a small thing, but God wanted it, and so now it's a big thing. Listen to God. You know, if he, if, he ta- if he starts to change your attitude towards certain kinds of movies, go with it. If he changes your attitude towards certain kinds of behavior, go with it. If he calls on you to pray uh, and fast a little bit more, go with it. Listen to him. If he starts changing your views of, of your finances, go with it. If he starts changing your views towards your neighbor, go with it. If he starts convicting you about how much time you spend at work rather than home, listen to him. Pay attention to that voice. That spirit of truth that's working in your life, that's saying, just because it happened last year doesn't mean it's okay now. I want to change this now. I want to move in you now. Listen to that voice and be willing to change. Praise God. There's an area that I think God is working with us as a church uh, on. This, this principle applies to us individually, but it also applies to us as a church. As a church, and Chuck mentioned it, I believe that we've had a drainage problem. We've had a seepage problem. Uh, it, 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 it started about a month ago or maybe two months ago, but it's this. The prayer, the prayer covering that we've had in this ministry was adequate up till about 
two or three months ago. And now I'm sensing that it's no longer adequate. We've outgrown, we've outgrown the prayer covering that we have. And nothing in the kingdom ever happens without prayer. We need more of it, in other words. I've just been sensing this. We're growing as a church. The water in the tub is going up. We're taking on more things. We're looking at this building. We're going involved in new ministries. And, and God's doing a lot of great stuff. But that means that there needs to be more commitment on our part if we're going to keep that going. So the prayer level that was adequate yesterday isn't adequate today. We need more of it. That's why we in leadership have made this call now. And we're going to hold this for all this whole year. Wednesdays we're calling to be a, a day of prayer and fasting for the church as a whole. Um, if it's at all possible, we're asking you to uh, uh, make Wednesday uh, a day where you, where you don't eat uh, either one meal or two meals or go the whole day if you can. And then at, in the evening, we're going to have a prayer time here. And if it's possible for you to make it, I'd encourage you to make it. On the third floor, we'll have signs up. You can just follow it here on Wednesday nights. Uh, we'll have a prayer time and then we'll break the fast afterwards. There's power in prayer and there's power in fasting and there's a lot of power when we do it together. Now, maybe you can't fast on Wednesdays. That's fine. This isn't a new legal requirement where you should feel bad if you don't do it. Uh, maybe try to fast on a different day. Some of you can't fast from foods or you shouldn't fast from foods. Uh, you know, teenage young women who have women issues don't fast from foods. Uh, but maybe you, maybe you can fast from TV or fast from something else. Let God tell you what it is that you should sacrifice. But there's power just in doing that. And God's calling us to do this. If the water's going to keep on rising, if we're going to keep on going forward in the kingdom, we need to pay attention to what God's doing in our midst, individually and as a church on a whole. Be willing to change. Be willing to change. Be flexible. Let me close with one word of warning about all of this. And it's an important word of warning. The Bible says that what, what, what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good, right? When the enemy has a device against us, God will change it to make it into a blessing. The reverse is also true, always. What God intends for good, the enemy intends for evil. And, 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 and any blessing that comes in our life, the enemy tries to get in there and twist it and distort it to make it something which God never intended. This is an, an area where the enemy really works overtime. Uh, and it looks like this. God convicts you about something. Uh, you listen to God and you get blessed by it. And now you decide that every Christian is supposed to do that exact same thing. And so you make it into a universal rule. God told you that you're not to have any alcohol. You know, God has the right to do that. He did that with the Levites, but He didn't do it with everybody. He told Samson to grow long hair, but He didn't tell everyone to grow long hair. He told Abraham to, to be willing to sacrifice his son, but He didn't tell everybody to sacrifice their son. God told you to give up wine, but He didn't tell everyone to do that. But now you put it upon yourself to tell everyone to do that. You see? A new law, a new, new blessing here. And now you become a legalist, and whatever blessing you've got from obeying a God with a personal word in your life, you're now taking away from the whole body of Christ by trying to make it into a, uh, an absolute that everyone has to go by. There's been a number of people in our church who have felt led to give up their suburban homes and move into the city. Praise God. Three or four people have, have felt led to do that. That's a good thing. If God moves in your life to do that, you do that. You obey God. But it has happened where somebody does that. They get blessed. They obey God. They plug up the drain. Their, their, their spiritual life goes forward. They're doing ministry. And now they become judgmental to everybody who doesn't do that. You see? And now the blessing becomes a curse. Because they get negative, they get judgmental, they get, you know, all this other kind of stuff. You become, when, when we take individual convictions, you know, Charles Spurgeon, he didn't go on some kind of crusade against pipes. He just understood that God was telling him to give it up, okay? But when we start to do that, we become like the Pharisees. Jesus says that they strain at a gnat, but swallow a camel. They strain, you know, here's the picture Jesus is drawing, it's a great one. You strain at a gnat. 
what he's referring to is this. The Pharisees, they didn't want to defile themselves with anything, and so they would only eat clean foods. Well, the, the, the Bible never mentions bugs as a clean food, thankfully. Um, so they never wanted to swallow a bug. But it could happen at night uh, that, that they'd have a glass of water there brought from their well. They'd have running faucets, of course. And bugs can get in the water. And if you drink the water at night and you don't see, you could swallow a gnat. So they'd have these, strain, these, these, these like strainer things that they'd put up to their, over the glass when they drink the water so if there's any bugs in there, they'd get strained out. You strain at a gnat. Okay, good for you, but you swallow a camel. Picture that. Here's a camel. Start with a hoof. You know. Yeah. Um, you swallow a camel, but you, you make sure that you, you don't want to throw those little bugs. Those bugs would defile you. But here you're swallowing a camel, and a camel's an unclean food as well. The point is this. If we begin to try to universalize the, the individual convictions that God brings upon us. Now, there are absolutes in the Bible, for sure. We got those. But I'm talking about things where God deals with us personally. The gray areas where God says, I don't want you to, you know, to find pleasure in that kind of music anymore or that kind of movie anymore or this kind of behavior anymore or whatever. Those are the things I'm talking about. And when we become little judgmental people and start grading people based on how much they conform to our individual convictions, we end up defining holiness in terms of strictness. Okay? And then we end up straining at gnats. You can't see the force of the tree. You string at gnats and you're swallowing camels. This is how we get people who brag about never drinking wine, but then they're sleeping with prostitutes. You get people who feel so self-righteous because, you know, they don't have the habit that that person has, but yet they're so greedy, you know, and, 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 and uh, they're, they're straining at a gnat and swallowing one camel. They're so righteous about what they do or don't see, but there's no love in their heart. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pay attention to what God tells us about the, our daily lives, but it means this. Don't become legalist about it. Obey. See, I close, I, this is my final closing statement. <laughs> it's my third one. But it's like this. Two mistakes we can make here. On the one hand, we can use the fact. It just doesn't seem fair to us Americans if God says that I have to give up something that He doesn't tell everyone else to give up. That doesn't seem fair, so we try to ignore it. Don't do that. Listen to that voice. Go ahead and give it up or whatever it is that God's telling you to do, do it, even if no one else is told to do that. Okay? The second thing we do, however, is this. If we do obey the voice, we want everyone to do it, because it's not fair that we have to do something that not everyone else does. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let God deal with you on an individual basis. The point is this. Every day of our life, God is talking to us, and God is bringing us to a deeper level of relationship with Him, because none of us are there yet. None of us are complete. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Uh, we're all in process. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let Him convict you of stuff. Maybe it never even occurred to you that this was an issue. Fine. Let it occur to you now. Because God's saying, now you can bear it. This is how we grow. The Christian life becomes an adventure. It's an ongoing thing. It's a self-sacrificial thing. It's an exciting thing. Unless we stagnate because we've got a drainage problem in our life because we're ignoring the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. Hear Him. But don't make everyone else conform to your standards. Praise God. Let's stand. Close in prayer. After we close, the altar is open. If the prayer team would come forward, the altar is open. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we encourage you to come forward and receive Him. If you've got a drainage problem in your life, and I'm not talking about plumbing, uh, and you want to come forward for prayer, feel free to do that. You know what? If you want to stay in your seats and pray with somebody around you, uh, ask someone to pray for you because you've got a drainage problem or any problem, that works too. There's no law that says oh, oh, up here is the only place you can pray. I want to close in praying that God will uh, give us ears to hear Him. I also want to close in, in giving God thanks again for what He's done in Eric's life. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we start with the thanks. Father, we give You praise. We give You thanks, Lord God, for the way You answer prayer. You are a healing God. 
Father, it, it, it goes against so much in our culture to believe that. Uh, Lord, where we're so used to just trusting doctors and medicine. But Lord, You have told us in Your Word that by Your stripes we are healed, praise God. You've made a provision for that, Lord God. Father, we believe, but help us in our unbelief to believe further, Lord God. Grow us in the faith, Lord God. Give us a resolute conviction that You are, in fact, a healing God. Father, we pray that this may even would be a, be a catalyst for increasing faith in the body of Christ here about the power of the Holy Ghost to heal people. Hallelujah. Lord, we, we pray that we see ten Eric's brought out of comas and people who maybe can't walk be able to walk and people who have been sick be healed by it in Jesus' name. Why? So you would be glorified, Lord. We want to proclaim your glory as a healing God throughout the earth, Lord God. Let your healing power be upon us, Lord God, and give us faith to believe you for that, Lord God. In all areas, Lord, we are praying that you grow us. We pray, Lord God, that you convict us. We pray, Lord God, you'd open our eyes. In your gracious, gentle, good, timing way, Lord God, open our eyes, Lord, to see, uh, Lord, how you'd have us grow in the next step. And then the step after that, Lord God. Make us the body that knows your grace, knows your love, and is transformed by it from one degree of glory to the other. We give you praise and thanks. And Father, right now, I, 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 saints of God, hang with me on this one right here. Uh, Lord, if there's somebody here, I think there is somebody here, who uh, is, has a physical ailment and they haven't been able to believe God for it, but today is the day that they're able to bear it.